I have no regrets, man. Um, sure, there's things I did that were dumb. There's things I've done that are stupid. There's uh, there's plenty of things that I've done that I maybe don't want plastered all over for everybody else to know. But right. I don't I don't regret any of it. It's who makes me me. Make sure you hit that subscribe button, catch up on all the old episodes, and check out the latest. You're going to like it. Welcome to the Luke Branquino Show. My next guest has had some of the highest highs, some of the lowest lows. Um, he's been an inspiration to so many people, um, especially after those, those lows, just the way he's fought back and the way he's living his life now. Uh, I'd like to welcome J.R. Bazane. J.R., thanks for joining me, man. Absolutely, man. It's an honor. Thanks for having me. I uh, vowed a long time ago if I ever got the chance to share my story and have a chat and hopefully inspire and encourage that I would. So thanks for having me. Well, I, I, man, I've I've followed this journey, um, your journey uh, from 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 the time you started. And I want that's where I want to start. You know, 2012, making the your first national finals rodeo. Um, you know that for a guy me, I'd rodeoed, been rodeoing for 12 years and, and I paid attention to all the events because I loved rodeo. And I kept hearing this name, JR, JR. And these guys were talking about this up and comer, this kid that's going to set the world on fire and uh, to, to get to watch you compete, uh, you know, in 2012, making the finals and all that. It, it was, it was cool to be able to hear that name and then actually see you perform out in the arena and and do what everybody was saying you were capable of doing and and in their minds and, and mine after watching you you know you you were a contender for for a world championship and you know again going back before 2012 from a rodeo family high school college and and from there on I mean what got you started oh shoot um fate i guess honestly um it's as far back as i can remember it's what i wanted to do um my uncle who lived in uh bridger at, actually at the time he was living in red lodge uh he was my hero he was my idol he was my role model i wanted to be just like my uncle duncan i actually have in kindergarten in uh where you had to write a journal in kindergarten and everybody would ask me what i wanted to do when I grew up, I'd say I want to be just like my uncle Duncan. I want to train colts, rodeo, and do leather work, and be a cowboy. And so, mom actually, we lived in town. We it was just a little itty bitty town, kind of a ranching community, but we lived in town. And I'd hang out with my all my buddies out in the country. We called it, and um, that's what I want to do since I was a little kid. So I rode sheep and steers as a as a little kid, and then. Um, when I was my eighth grade summer going into my freshman year, we had a little hometown pumpkin roller, the Cali days, and I had got, I wanted to be a bull rider. So I had got equipped. Mom wouldn't let me ride bulls unless I had a helmet. Well, no, of course. Right. Safety so first. I had bought all the stuff off eBay and it didn't show up in time for the rodeo. So my mom was dating, uh, old school bareback rider at the time, Doug Griffiths. And he said, well, shoot, why don't you give bareback riding a try? So we took a 1950 homemade noodle handle rigging out to the bro the horses, got one in the round pen, slapped that rigging on a horse. He showed me how to mark one out and 
how to hang on and went to the rodeo. And oh, that man. was where it started. Was that, was that the old flat riggings? Like they didn't, uh, no. And I forgive my ignorance on riggings. I don't know a lot about them because they've changed, but they used to just be flat and a handle, right? <laughs> this one was homemade even, Luke. It was uh, a <laughs> piece of leather, a couple pieces of leather stitched together, fr framed around a little strip of rawhide. There, It was noodle handle. There was no rawhide in it, no nothing. Black rosin, the glove, light it on fire, get it sticky, run your hand in. And the the other part of it, too, is so he had two boys that were older than me, and we all shared the same rigging for oh, man. Shooting. For, even for the first four or five high school rodeos, we all shared the same rigging. Actually, that's a funny story. So Hank Franzen used to have a bunch of um, bunch of our high school rodeos, yeah. and Frank or and Hank was mean. He was <laughs> this was before Hank was nice. And <laughs> yeah, we'd play rock paper scissors because in Wyoming there was uh, four or five bareback riders was all. And so whenever we went to a Hank rodeo, we'd play rock, paper, scissors, who had to go talk to him and ask him if he could split us up and tell him we were using the same rig and if he could give us time to pull the rigging off and slap rigging on. But yeah, no, it was, it was old school and Western. I would never start anybody the way that I got started. It was, it I should have died early, but it uh, sparked the dream inside of me. Well, but, but thinking of going back on that, wouldn't you say that probably starting that way? Yeah, you wouldn't start anybody like that, but it would, it probably made you as tough as you were once you did finally get a different rig and, and, and you know, kind of you had to hang on. Oh, absolutely. I, I, uh, I, so I rode 15 head with that, with that rigging. And then my uncle had an old CLG, a high lift CLG. And, at that time, those guys were like, they were like, no way, that's way too advanced. There's those are death traps. You hang up this, that, and the other thing. You have the tit on the glove. And mm, oh yeah. So I I just needed my own rigging. We were not all three of us could use that rigging anymore. So I was like, I don't care. I'm gonna use it just so I have my own. And I was scared to death. And I run my hand in there to at a at Gillette the, at the high school rodeo Birch had that. And they were a bunch of five-year-olds that had never seen man before and <laughs> rolls in and turns back my hand reach, screech. And I was like, man, I'm hung up. This is just right. So for sure. I, I, I will, I always tell kids at schools and stuff. I say, get good gear. You start with good gear, but for sure, for me, it taught me how to squeeze and how to lift and how to, how to hang on. And so when I did get good equipment, that was never an issue of mine. Hanging on and, and squeezing was never an issue because for sure, I. <laughs> you didn't have a choice when you had that other rig. Yeah. <laughs> that was, yeah. You got to, you damn sure had to get a hold with your feet and take a lot of that power away from them horses. Didn't you? I wish I had, I, I actually have a picture in here, my first one, but I wrote my first one, just a little podunk copper, rode my first one, one third at the, at the rodeo, it was like seven of us and four of them bucked off, so I one third, and um, he, the way he taught me how to mark them out, so instead of going through all the motions, he'd have me, he'd have me slide up and put my feet up there and turn my toes up. And then nod, and when the horse turned, then turn my toes down. So, like, I pretty much already had them rough locked, and it was it was wild, man. It was crazy <laughs> how, how how we first got going, but it dang sure lit the fire inside of me to 
So did the, but the rodeo cowboy. Okay, so when did that that uh, eBay helmet and bull riding gear show up? Right after, and I was pissed. <laughs> the, the, the Monday after, and so we had the Cody Night Rodeo was going on at the time too. So shortly thereafter, started trying to ride bulls too. So for a lot of people that are watching, Collie is right on the Montana-Wyoming state line. That's correct. Like you're going towards Red Lodge. Is that right? Uh, so it'd actually be 90 miles straight south of Billings. Okay. But yeah, Red Lodge is only 70 miles, but it's a little bit to the west. But if you were the main highway, the main if you get on the main highway, it'd go to Billings. Okay, I got gotcha. you. Well, so you you were around the like you said the ranching and the rodeo community. I mean that was that was pretty big. And so getting to high school, making the high school finals, having sec success there, moving on to college. Where did you where did you go to college? Um, I spent a year at Vernon, Texas, for Bobby Scott. Uh, looking back on it, I should have stayed there two years, but, uh, I never, I never was going to go to college. I, I was a smart kid. I, I think there was, there was kids in my class that were dang sure smarter that had higher ACT scores and stuff, but I was a, I was the valedictorian. I was a straight A student. I was a smart kid, but I knew what I wanted to be since I was four years old. Now it was train horses, rodeo, and be a cowboy. So, I wasn't going to go to school and mom finally talked me into it. I'd got a bunch of offers and Caleb AC was a very good buddy of mine and he was going to school down there and Bobby had talked to me my junior year. And uh, I said, well, if I'm maybe, maybe college wouldn't be a bad stepping stone to go get my feet wet in the, in the uh, pro rodeo world, go be somewhere right. where I can get into all them big winter rodeos. So I ended up going to Vernon, um, signed in March and went down there in May, um, spent a year with Bobby. And then I was my, my hero, kind of the guy that taught me was Kelly Timberman. Oh yeah. Um, he was starting to be the coach at Casper. And so the second year he talked me into coming back to school for him at Casper. And, uh, so I spent half a year there and, didn't work out. Ended up. I didn't need any more school. I said I'm going rodeo. That was 2012. That's uh, yeah. I think that's a lot of cowboy mentality, especially that that younger or that older generation. I was the same way. I went to I went to school for three years. I had a junior college, which I know I think you're what you're supposed to go to. But anyway, um, and I went to amateur rodeos and some small circuit rodeos. And then I was like, you know, like I'm too smart for this school shit. I want a rodeo. So the next year was 2000. That was my rookie year. And I'm like, okay. I had a buddy. He's like, hey, I'm going to pay you. Actually, I'm going to let you live in my apartment. You do my homework and, you know, we'll call it even. So I did pass, not with, you know, A's, but I did pass and end up rodeoing all that year. And then the next year, I'm like, okay, I'm going to cut my class load down a little bit because that'll really help me focus more on rodeo, even though that kid was taking my classes for me. So two and a half years at a JC and I don't have anything to show for it. So. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I guess it is what it is. And, and I enjoyed every bit of it. Wanted to college rodeo too, but um, man, I just feel like nowadays though, these kids, they're, they're going and getting an education, which I think is great. And all the schools I go to and teach, I said, you know, make sure you get an education because you don't ever know what rodeo rodeo and you know, as well as anybody rodeo, you might be great for, 10 years, 20 years, or you might be great for two years and then that's it. 
you know uh, yeah i i don't i don't say copy your life after mine by any means uh i think getting a degree is great it's awesome it's uh that's what you're called to do go do it and right. i it just was that was never in my cards I, yeah and and not that i shouldn't have i i'm I actually how mine deal went was i was like okay if I'm going to go to college, I'm going to go learn something that I'm actually going to use. And exactly. I watched, I watched my uncle his whole life. He he sucked at marketing marketing himself. He built mm -hmm. some of the best leather work in the business. And he there's guys in Cody that'll sell full carved saddles for $20,000 and he can't hardly get 5,000 for full carved and it's top notch. Right. And he's, he's one of the best horsemen I've ever been around and nobody knows his name. So it's, and it's all a marketing thing. Yeah. And so I said, I'm going to go, I'm going to, if I'm going to go, I'm going to go take business classes and learn how to market myself and da, 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 da. Well, you know how it goes. We're two weeks late to school because of the Midwest run Kennewick and, <laughs> Coeur Lane and all those on our permits. And so I was two weeks late. By the time I got there, Bobby called and he said, hey, your teachers are mad that you're not here at your business classes. Maybe we should put you in the ag whatever certificate class. And I said, sure. So then I showed up. So then it was glorified high school to me. And <laughs> it wasn't a challenge. I could teach the teacher something you know, if he yeah. really wanted to learn. And yeah, so. That's my well, but but you're exactly theory. right, you know. And when I tell them make sure you get an education, it may be how to weld, it may be how to, Absolutely. you know, go get a trade somewhere because again, you just you don't don't ever know. And so anyway, yeah, that's what I try to teach them, and and, and a little steer wrestling too. But um, you know, life life decisions, which then I look back at my life, I'm like, man, maybe they shouldn't listen to me. <laughs> yeah, one hundred percent. All right, we go to 2012, first NFR. And like I said, I'd, I'd been rodeoing for 12 years up to this point, and I'd heard so much about this J.R. Vizane and, and how much of a stud he was. And, man, you, you dang sure didn't disappoint. Um, rodeoed hard, made the national finals for the first time. It had to be an, an awesome feeling. Oh, it's a – you know, it's a dream yeah. come true, ain't it? When, uh, in, when I was 14 and got on the first one, that was my next goal was to make yeah. the NFR. And you watch it as a kid growing up and everybody wants to ride in the yellow buck and shoot. So honestly, even the college deal, I set little goals and little milestones and winning the college finals and winning the high school finals. Yeah. Those were all goals and stepping stones. But the, the real goal, dream and aspiration was to compete in the yellow buck and shoots and in front of that crowd of 18,000 screaming for you. So yeah, it's, uh, that's, you can't explain that feeling and no. you can't explain, you can't, words don't justify the, that building. And no, definitely not. It's. And you guys, and you guys got to watch the grand entry from the back of the buck and shoots. And I, <laughs> I, which which now, you know, the more you made the finals, the more you probably watched it and said, okay, who's going to fall off or whose horse is going to fall or who's going to get bucked off or or whatever in the grand entry. I, but, but I imagine that first night, it was all business right there and all focus. Oh, I blacked out, man. I, uh, I actually got a re-ride my very first one. And I it was like being a 14-year-old kid again, getting on your first horse. It's, get off and you don't remember the ride yep. and hear the whistle and they said you got a re-ride and holy smokes i guess 
first round jitters are out of the way. Let's get it on now, you know? So right. yeah, it's, uh, that place is special and it's electric and it's when they interview you, how is it? It's everything you dreamed of and more it's yeah. words. Words don't describe the whole experience showing up the back number ceremony, yeah. the, at September 30th or 31st, whenever you realize you finally made it for the first time and it, you think it sunk in, but it hasn't sunk in. And then you make the drive down there and you roll over the hill and you see the lights and then you yeah. think it sunk in and it still hasn't sunk in. And then you get your back number and then you think, well, this is really it. And it still hasn't sunk in. Then you go to the pre-meetings and you're like, here it is. This is it. And it still hasn't <laughs> sunk in. And then they run them fire breathing dragons in for the first round and, <laughs> You're like, this is it. It finally yeah. all sinks in, man. It's yeah. uh, it's what every it's it's what dreams are made of in the rodeo world. And I'm not saying that's everything, but it was everything for me. And well, and for everybody that's rodeoing, Jr. That that is everything. I mean, like you say, though, everybody that's made the national finals for the most part, I'm gonna say 99 of them when they started high school to college, that was that. That's their goal. That's because if you think about it, what's the point of high school and college rodeo if, or in, you know, rodeoing at that age, I should say, because a lot of folks don't high school rodeo per se, they maybe go to amateurs. But if that's, that's your goal, right? Absolutely. Get to those, get to that arena, get to those bucket shoots. And I, for you, you got to strap your rigging on for five years in those bucket shoots. And for me, every time I drive over that hill and it's the same way coming into town, we'd, on, we were coming on 15 heading north, and you were, you were coming 15 heading south. And uh, as soon as you got to see where you could see downtown, it's like it hits you again. It's like you get that, <laughs> that feeling in your stomach, right? It still does, man. Yeah. It's still. I mean, it's, it's pretty melancholy. Seriously. I go down and watch my brother-in-law now, and yeah. you, you top that hill and you see them lights. It brings a special feeling up inside of you. And well, talking about it just cool. now made the hair stand up on the back. I know it, it does. It leaves a lasting impact on a guy. It's uh, I don't know with a guy that dreamed to be a world champion and, and riding them and riding those shoots and compete in that town. It's uh, it's, it's special and it's no words can describe that place. And it's, it's true. It's, it's honestly true. It's, it's special. I I could still and and in my in my mind, I guess is where it is. I could still smell mm. the the smell of that arena when we walked in there every day. First time we'd come all year long, come down down the ramp into the arena. I could still I could smell it right now. That's how how much of an impact it, it still has on me. Um, you know, and anybody that's been there, you know, I talked to Joe mm, Beaver. He said that smell will never never go away. You know, absolutely. ever. Uh, so it, I mean, obviously it, now it's emotion built up in me. I want to go throw a steer down. <laughs> yeah, exactly, man. 2012, 13, 14, three trips, 15, didn't make it. What happened in 15? Um, I actually, at Cloverdale, I had a horse flip over on me in the chutes and broke some vertebrae, broke some transverse processes off in my back in at Cloverdale. So from May, to, I was out for six months. So. May till I guess I come back first October and started getting on some again. But so, yep, I missed in 15 because of injury. Yeah. So then 16, 17, make them again, 18. And, and this is, you know, we talked about the highest of highs and that's where we're at. Now we're getting into the lowest lows going in the fall right there at the bottom. Number 14 going. And I mean, it's almost 
not even two weeks away from the the date five years ago when yeah. when that horse in Pasadena on September 22nd uh, of 2018 you know flipped over on you in the arena and and broke your back you know that's uh and I know you have to look at because I look back at all my injuries thinking and this even sound I even it sounds stupid for me to say it and I and I don't even know the words. I look back at my injuries and go, well, if I wouldn't have ran that steer, would I have still got to where I needed to go? You know, those are things that always went through my head at that time. You know, for you being unable to compete at the national finals, unfortunately, because of the injury. But is that something you thought about or think about like, man, if, if I didn't get on that horse or if, if I didn't go there, I mean, obviously me as a competitor knows why you went there. You were trying to secure your spot to the, your sixth national finals rodeo. Yeah, uh, never. I've never, I've never second guessed myself, Luke. And um, that's honest. Honestly, I my whole life, I uh, I have no regrets, man. Um, sure, there's things I did that were dumb. There's there's things I've done that are stupid. There's uh, there's plenty of things that I've done that I maybe don't want plastered all over for everybody else to know. But right. I don't I don't regret any of it. I it's who makes me me, and right. I don't believe things happen on accident. I believe in a big God, and I put my faith in in my Lord and Savior, and I I've. I had to, I had to go. I was 14th. I was, nice. um, it, it's, it makes the story so ironic that we say that, that I had to go. And then I ended up qualifying anyways, you right. know, which, which sucks. I mean, that's a, that's a crappy thing, but the, the fact of the matter is you, you, I'm, I'm not, rodeoing just to say I rodeo I'm rodeoing to, to make the finals and to be a world champ and so I'm 14th I'm I'm on the bubble I I have to go and so no I don't ever second guess myself I don't ever say well I shouldn't have or wish I would have could have should have would have right it, it is what it is and every time you run your hand in a rigging every time you back in the box to run a steer every time you you compete with an animal you know what you're up against right I, you i i know i mean shoot man we're we're not only talking on 9-11 with 22 right. years ago our nation was rocked because of some terrorists but we're we're talking a week 10 days later that a buddy in the rodeo world trent montero just lost his life yeah. I mean, we're you you know that can happen to you. Every time I run my hand in a rigging, I knew that that this could happen, but you get so comfortable in chaos. You get so right. so comfortable in a in a life or death situation that you never think it's going to happen to you. So I I always knew this could happen. You just never think it's going to be you, right? So right. I don't I don't I don't hold I don't blame myself for going. I don't wish I wouldn't have went. I I, I was, I had, I had a goal and that was to be a world yeah. champ and to be a world champ. You got to play it at Vegas and to yeah. play at Vegas. I had to go that week. So. Yeah. And that's the chances we take as competitors. Like you said, we know that 
going into it. Yeah, I, I mean, uh, it's, it's it's the fact rodeo. It's uh, <laughs> it's uh, you you know it can you you know I've seen I've seen wrecks in the breakaway rope and chicks get barrier yeah. snaps wrong and wraps around their neck and yanks them off their horse and right. I've seen horses trip and and I, I have a buddy that I high school rodeo with Tim Mall that was in a steer yeah. rope accident that left him with a brain injury you know so it's it's what happens when you put a 150 200 pound human against a 1500 2000 pound beast you know yeah. I mean those things can happen and those things do happen and <laughs> So no, I, there's been plenty of life changes, plenty of life lessons, plenty of humbling, plenty of holy crap, what am I going to do now with my life type scenarios? But I don't ever wish that I wouldn't have, it, right. uh, I wouldn't trade, I wouldn't trade my past life for anything. It is what makes me me right. and it is what makes my story, my story, man. Yeah. So. Well, and you bring up Tim Mom's name. I've had conversation with him. You know, he, I, and I didn't know the story. I kind of followed him a little on social media. But man, talk about a guy that's bouncing back from something that was so traumatic. You know, with with his brain injury and that. And you know, he he's and I feel bad because he's keeps reaching out to me about uh, posting this or putting his coffee on on the show. You know, which he sent me some coffee and it it is awesome. Uh, I'm sure you're might be drinking it right now, but I mean, he's in his situation, he's still trying to get better in life, get better himself physically. I could remember watching videos of him roping the dummy because that's what kept him going. That's what he wanted to get back and do. And, you know, if you don't, and again, you know, as well as anybody, if you don't have that passion, that desire to keep moving forward, no matter what's happened, what's your purpose? Oh, 100%. I, uh, so I, I'm, I'm at a weird spot in life, Luke. I'm 31 years old. I've been asked to do a lot of, uh, or not a lot, but, uh, a handful of, um, motivational speeches and, and stuff. And I, I've never, I've never, uh, like advertise that that's what I do. But I made a vow right away when I was in the rehab hospitals that if, if I was ever asked to, and it could shine some light and point people to the Lord and inspire and encourage that I would. So I've never turned one down. If I could make it happen, I've never turned that opportunity down. Yeah. And Right away, they were super easy because I am the same JR today that I was then. I've, actually, I'm, uh, I take that back. I'm, I'm a better version of JR than I was then. So I, I had a, I'm going to walk. I'm going to be walking in a year. I'm going to be walking in, in six months. So I kind of had that mentality, that attitude. And so those speeches were really powerful because pe people would, the comment would always be, I don't know if I could have that attitude, the same attitude that you have if I were put in that situation. And it used to kind of piss me off. I was like, what do you mean? I'm the same guy you were cheering for two years ago. I put my pants on the same way, one leg at a time. It just looks different now because I'm sitting down. Right. And through uh, coming on five years now through the course of it, I, uh, 
I, I take that comment as a compliment now because I've learned a lot about myself and I've learned who I am and I've learned how to accept help and I've learned how to love my wife differently and I've learned how to rely on others and I've learned that I am still the same JR, that the same JR that was chasing a gold buckle is the same JR that's that's chasing a cow horse dream and chasing the dream to walk again still five years later. And I've never given up on that. But I I always thought I needed that thing to have the oomph in a speech to have. I need to be walking again to have the oomph. I've made a lot of promises to people that I would walk again and I still believe it, you know, and I still work at it every single day. And, um, so I, I, long story short, I was just up in Canada and I did one at the high school finals. And I thought that that was my best one yet. And we were just at this event, heart of the horse and, uh, the Flunders had me come up there and I did one up there. And I think it was my best delivery since since the wreck. And I don't know, I was just in the zone and there was a lot of good nuggets. I was even inspiring and encouraging myself. Right. And, I, it's a very humbling thing for me because I'm a sucker for knowledge. So I get in front of people and I'm like, who am I? I'm only 31. Who am I? There's 50 year old, 60 year old sitting in the stands. And I'm like, who am I to give life advice to people? And what do I have to offer the world? I'm not walking yet, but I'm still just living life trying, you know? And so I'm coming into this, this, finding my area and what the area is, is it's taken me a long time to realize that not everybody thinks like we think. And a lot of people ask me if I miss rodeo and my honest answer is no, I do. I don't miss rodeo. I, I was, Shelby told me she was pregnant September 1st. I was hurt three weeks later. I, for, I was even looking back on it now, like there were, I was, I had so many irons in the fire. I was, had bought cows, was trying to buy a ranch, was training colts. My, my real passion is horses and training horses. And so I was there, there was a few conversations I had with Shelby. I was like, man, if I could win one gold buckle, I think I'd, I'd be done. And if I uh, maybe we should sell everything so I can get totally addicted to it again and and be totally obsessed with it so I can win one gold buckle and and then I'd be done because I, I honestly didn't know if I'd be able to 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 be gone for 250 days a year with a right. kid at home, you know, yeah. so I, those thoughts were already going through my mind. It wasn't that I was thinking about retiring. It wasn't I mean, I was at the prime of my career, you know, so. It wasn't that I was had those thoughts yet, but I was. I don't miss rodeoing. I I miss that feeling you get when yeah. you spur a bucking horse, and I miss being around my buddies on the daily. Those are the two things that I miss, and those buddies that I miss are 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 like minded guys. Yeah, oh, exactly. <laughs> those. I mean, you're around when when you're at that level you're around top level people day in and day out. And I, I didn't even realize how big of a blessing that was in my life. Like you're around no quit guys. You're around guys with try you're around guys that will sell their left kidney to, to chase a dream. That's you're, exactly right. you're around guys that no matter what we're going to go out, we're going to give it our best and we're going to freaking hold each other up. And we're going to, when you're having a bad day, I'm going to 
tell you to suck it up. Let's go. And when I'm having a bad day, somebody's going to tell me to suck it up. Let's go. You know, and though that's what I miss. And I thought I just thought everybody thinks like we think. And they don't. The, no. A lot of a lot of America does not think like we think. So I, I'm at a weird spot. I'm realizing that not everybody thinks like I think when people can look at me and go, holy smokes, how is this guy still chasing a dream? You know, and if I was in that situation, I don't know if I could. Well, yeah, you can. <laughs> I mean, no. I think the world is lacking a whole lot of try right now. And if you're willing to try, if you're willing to sacrifice, if you're willing to put your nose to the grindstone, you'll surprise yourself on what you can get accomplished. And one of the things that I've, I've surprised myself in is five years after the wreck that I can still believe that I'm going to walk again. And it's because I put my faith in Jesus Christ and every single day I try. And that's what rodeo guys, that's how we think. <laughs> that's our, that's our mentality. No, you're, you're exactly right. The mentality of, of the cowboy and not even just rodeo cowboys. I mean, you grew around, grew up around ranchers and, that's that's the mentality of the Western culture, in my opinion. Uh, you, you know, you mentioned putting your your faith in Jesus and and working at it every day. I, I listened to uh, my wife's podcast, Companion Pass, and Shelby was on. She just had her on, and listening to her story and what you put in every day, and and I try to think about me. I lost 50 pounds since January 1. I go to the gym five days a week. I don't want to go to the gym sometimes. I just, I hate it. But I don't, you, you, you're going to the gym with the goal to try to walk again. I'm just going to the gym to not be fat. And, and I think, you know, the difference there is, is so much different. And a lot of people don't even understand that you have to, you have to want something and you have to go get it. And your goal and what you want, is to be able to walk again and you're you're doing it every day and just hearing her story uh you know and I we're going to talk a lot more about Shelby here in, here in just a minute this you know what she's meant to you and been to your family but just the effort you're putting in for you for your family um it, it's incredible and it's so it's so inspiring uh i i anybody listening to this or watching this i, I encourage you to go to uh, Lindsey Branquino's companion pass and giving her a plug right there. You're welcome, sweetie. Um, and listen to, to Shelby's story because it is so amazing. Um, but, you know, you keep moving forward. You talked about raining cow horses. You know, to me, I'm just sitting here trying to think because I've, I've watched it. I've seen it. My brother was doing it for a while. And for you to be able to get on, do that, you know, with, with everything that you've got going on is absolutely amazing and inspiring like you say if people think their lives you know they got some struggles in their life man this is something they need to hear it man it's uh okay so going back to that what do i have to offer the world and the life advice uh, i'm coming into my own and what it is is if i can you can yeah um and Here's why, uh, because in five years of this life and this post-wreck life, I've been, I'm the same JR that I was before. Like I, I had, I had times in my rodeo career where I was on the bubble, where you're stressed about making the finals, where you've been there and you're like, 
it's crunch time and you got to go. So you're stressed, you're, you're sacrificing, you're doing all the things, right? So you go through these roller coasters of emotions. And since the wreck, I've been through a lot of life and a lot of soul searching and a lot of why I am the way I am and why I believe the way I believe and why I think the way I think. And I've been at every level that you can imagine. I've been happy. I've been sad. I've been mad. I've been frustrated. I've been depressed. I've I've said the prayer, man, Lord, please take my life away from me because I think the people around me would, would be better off without right. me. And honestly, I've, I've had those thoughts, Luke. And I, I was scared to death, man. I was like, to be frank here. So I, I didn't, I didn't grow up knowing my real dad. I, I had a father figure. My mom married when I was two. So I had a dad and they got divorced when I was 13. So I had a father figure. I had a dad that taught me how to go fishing and how to hunt and, and, and that sort of thing. But my uncle was always my role model. He wasn't my father figure. He was the good uncle to me. Mm-hmm. He taught me how to cuss and flip people off and 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 do all the things that you're not supposed to do. Right. So he was the uncle figure, but he was my hero. He was he was he when I was 12 years old, I started moving to his house in the summers and learn how to train horses and do leather work and work with my hands. And he, he's dang near 50 and he can outwork a lot of young kids. I know, you know, and I mean, he taught me work ethic and how to chase a dream and how to have a happy go lucky life. And I mean, he came from nothing. He was broke and you never knew it. He just, one of his favorite famous sayings is, People would talk about retirement because he, he's been self-employed his whole life and has no savings. And they'd say, well, what are you going to do to retire? And he says, well, what's retirement? And they say, well, I guess whenever you're done working and you go do whatever you want to do. And he says, well, I guess I just retire a little bit every day. Like that's how he lives life. He just does whatever he wants to do every single day, you know? And right. so he taught me a lot of life lessons and I, I was scared to death. I, I, I was like, how am I going to be able to teach my boy how to saddle his horse and how to how to tamp a fence post hole and, and all these things? So I've been depressed, man. I've been in the deep, dark pits of despair. And here I am five years later, still trying, still striving, still working it, freaking getting out of it, you know. And so that phone call that Aaron Brookshire made would have been last March. So I was I was at a spot where. I was, I I had started trading cattle. So I was buying and selling calves for guys. There was a lot of doors that had opened. Um, We were still ranching. We're still running cows. We were running sheep. We lost the lease. We sold the sheep. Um, We were still running cows, trying to figure out how to make this deal work. And um, I had gotten okay. I had surrendered to the timing. I was like, okay, Lord, if I'm, I'm, I'm not ever going to quit, I'm not ever going to give up, but the prayer I had, Luke, was I was like, Lord, why am I not getting what I feel like I deserve? I, I There's nothing I've ever worked at harder in my entire life than this. And I honestly believed. I believed I was going to walk in three months. Three months rolled around. I believed I was going to walk in six months. Six months rolled around. I believed I was going to walk in nine months. Nine months rolled around. I believed I was going to walk in a year. And I, I had that prayer. Lord, why? I believe in you. I believe that you do miracles. Why am I not? I know you can snap your finger and I can walk. Why am I not getting it? And the small, still voice I heard was, you got to trust my timing. 
And so I surrendered to the timing. I was like, all right, I'm going to do my best to be the best I can. And I'll surrender to your timing. So and be, and be ready for it when, when that time comes. Absolutely. And it wasn't a, you can go sit on the couch and just wait for right. me. It right. was, <laughs> I've had to put a lot of try. And a lot of that tries mental too. Because for sure. Don't get me wrong. There's days I don't want to go try either. There's days I want to just move on and figure out how to have a happy life. And, and I don't, I, I keep stuff hard. I, I don't believe this is it for me. So anyways, I was at a spot where I was, I was okay with everything being the way it was. The, I was okay with the, we'd figured out how to keep ranching. I had stuff set up on my four wheelers and how to even rope right handed off my four wheeler with the left handed throttle. And, and there wasn't anything that I, hadn't figured out how to do, I guess is where I was at. And right. I was okay with everything looking the way it looked, except for the horse riding side of my life being different. And I was, I was, I was at a spot. This was, this was three years ago. And, um, I was, or two years ago, I guess I, and I was, I was in my leather shop and I was like, here's the deal, Lord. It's like, I've surrendered to your time and I've surrendered to your will. I've surrendered everything, but your word says that if I delight in you, that you will give me my heart's desires. And my desire is the horse. My desire is, 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 is the horse passion that you have put in me. And I want to be training horses. I want that side of my life to look different. So if your word's true, you've got to change. You've either got to help me or you've got to change my desire because this is the only thing that keeps me frustrated. And it wasn't that I ha wasn't riding. I still rode. I was mm -hmm. like, I'd ride in the Brandon pen and tried to rope some here and there and that sort of thing. But it was different. It wasn't training horses to me. And I did a podcast with Marcus and Morgan Luttrell, the Team Never Quit podcast. And at the end of the podcast, they asked me what I'd be doing if the wreck hadn't happened. And I said, I'd be doing exactly what I'm doing regardless of the wreck, other than I always had a dream of getting in the rain cow horse world when I was done rodeoing. So when I get walking again, that's what I'm going to do. And two years to the day, or two years later, and two weeks later after that prayer, Lord changed my desires. This is the only thing that keeps me frustrated. The my two-year-olds were standing out in the yard and I was, we were trying to decide who we were going to send them to, to get them started. And I wanted it to be me. And I was pissed, man. I was frustrated. I was, I was, I was mad. And I said, Lord changed my desires because I want this to be different. And two weeks to the day later, Aaron Brookshire called me said, Hey, I listened. He didn't know me. I didn't know him. He said, I heard that podcast is that still your dream? He said, because if it is, if you're willing, he said, I think we can get it done. And that was last March. He called me last March and it was a complete godsend. It was divine intervention, man. And right. it was, uh, it's crazy. It's been, it's been unreal. It's, uh, I took three trips down there last summer, ended up getting a horse bought in January. We went, we went and wintered down in Texas last winter and started the cow horse dream and got to my first horse show in April. Just went to a, my second show last week, gearing up to go to another show next weekend. And it's been a dream come true, but there's been a lot of change of perspective. There's been a lot of pride that's needed to be swallowed. It's like being a 12 year old kid again, trying to relearn my feel. It's right. uh, it's hard. It's frustrating. It's, it's fun. It's, it's all the emotions. And 
But the challenge, it's the challenge. It's the challenge. And yeah. it's been that thing that that rodeo was to me. That yeah. rodeo left. And I I I I approached walking that way right away. Like walking was my gold buckle, you know. And and when you work at something so hard for three years and you see very minimal results, it wears on a guy. And it it I honestly I was at a spot where I was just kind of going through the motions. Like I hadn't given up. I hadn't I hadn't quit. I hadn't not been working out, but I, I was just kind of going through the motions. You're like, well, when's it going to happen type of a deal? And right. this has been that thing to give me something else to shoot for. And the, if I can, you can. And it, that's exactly it, that it's ramped up my workouts. It's made me work it that even that much harder because I have something else to shoot for. And I guess where I'm going with that whole long winded story was I've learned a lot of lessons and one of the lessons has been to be careful what you're complaining about because there's somebody out there wishing that they have what you have. And, and we, it's human nature. We take life for granted. We take our jobs for granted. We take rodeo for granted. We take, and, and we're not to blame. I mean, it's, it's, it's easy thing to do. You take those things for granted and, and even me, I, I do it too. I get, I get days where I'm pissed and frustrated and whatever. And it's in those moments that I got to remember to be thankful that I have my hands to be able to work right. with because there's plenty of people in my situation that would like to even be able to brush their own teeth, you know? And so I, I get it. The life advice I have for people is if I can, you can, because I've been at all the, I've been at all the levels. I've been depressed. I've been mad. I've been sad. I've been happy. I've been joyful. I've been at all. And we can all, we can all dig ourselves out of the, out of the hole if we're willing to just try. And we can all chase dreams. I don't care if it's a cow horse dream, a rodeo dream, or a dream of, of getting out of your nine to five that you're stuck in to go chase your real passion, whatever it is. Don't complain to me that you can't chase a dream because here I am in a wheelchair chasing a dream. JR, I appreciate it, man. Uh, looking forward to seeing you guys. I don't know if you'll be down in Vegas um, or not, but man, best, uh, best of luck. I know, I know you're getting after it every day and, and inspiring me to, to stay after what I need to get done. So thank you again for coming on, man. Yes, sir. Thanks for having me. You bet. Thanks, buddy.